Hello and welcome to the Leverage 3 Podcast. I'm Craig Shoemaker, and today's guest is Pedro Martins. Pedro funds leads and closes big ticket sales out of his own pocket for established and expert creators. Check this out. One of his campaigns drove $1.3 million in new sales in 60 days. Beyond that, he freely shares his vast experience in sales, storytelling, and relationship marketing daily on Twitter. Pedro, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure, Craig. My pleasure. It's, uh, it's, it's been a, a bit of a long time coming. I mean, we've had a chance to sort of get to know each other. Um, one of my favorite things is getting up in the morning and reading your threads and either getting a chance to engage with you or learn something uh, incredible about all of your experience. I kind of feel that, but like, and I understand that. And I, I really love writing, but what I love the most, and especially with you, it's the quality of the questions that you ask. Because like, there's nothing I write that is something like I'm, I'm never sure about what to write. But once I engage in the comments <laughs> and once I see the questions that you ask and other people ask, I know exactly what to write about. Because it's, right. it's not like the creativity, the ideas of the content, they're never mine. They're actually yours. Uh, and probably if right. you check all the questions that you've asked me before and you see what I'm writing about, most of them are just whatever I wrote back to you, uh, but reframed in a different way. <laughs> like I'm, and, and that's the beauty of this. Like you're not here to reinvent the wheel. You're just here to capture right. whatever your audience is already producing and give it back in a, in a more consumable way, you know? So you have a lot of different topics that you, you've written about. Um, and as I was going through, you know, engaging with you, going through your feed, trying to figure out what could we talk about? What would be like the, the best thing for us to talk about? I came up with positioning. And, you know, it's interesting because I think it's one of these sort of elusive concepts that everybody talks about, but a lot of people don't have a really good handle on, on really exactly what it is. So if you were to kind of set us straight and define it a little bit for us, how do you see positioning? Man, that, like this is a whole topic in itself, right? Uh, but for me, positioning is, is mostly about how you show up. Like imagine that you are an architect and the place that you refurbish is yourself. Like you're refurbishing what right. you want people to see about you. Like when you enter a place and you see exactly, okay, I understand the people that live here because I see from the furniture, I see from like how they have things, like if they have pictures on the wall, like I have a, a clear idea about what's happening there. Is it correct or not? I don't know. But my mind, based on my experience, it's already creating a story about what's happening there. And people are constantly doing that with everyone. Like if you go into someone else's place that you don't know, you're immediately, once you see them at the door, you're immediately creating pictures and images and stories about them. And you don't know them. You don't know them at right. all. But that's like, and when you're strategic about positioning, you're aware of this kind of stuff and you're, you use the right symbols. Like, for example, um, like if, if you want to show status, obviously, if you show up in a Ferrari, you're you're already producing, like you brought the right symbol. But you, if you want to show status and you show up like very undressed or not with the right dress or 
with the wrong car, you're immediately, you're also showing up in the wrong way. So it's all about understanding exactly what the feelings and what that story you want people to, to create about yourself. If you're strategic about that, you'll know exactly, or you'll be much more aware about the things that you do, like how the background looks like. Uh, it, it's about everything. Um, and I'm, I'm very keen on paying attention to that because I know how that makes the difference. And one thing that uh, showed up the other day on Twitter, and I think I wrote about that, is like do that exercise uh, starting from the, the end. So if, if you go to the end and if you think about, okay, so my ideal audience, this is the story I want them to know about me or that I want them to create about me. And, and then try to do the other way around is like, okay, what do I need to do for them to create that story? How, how should mm -hmm. I show up in front of them? Like, for example, my tone, a lot of people call me like the grandpa of Twitter because I'm very <laughs> calm and very, you know, like grandpa attitude uh, and daddy right. stuff. Like I'm very calm, very, but this is the tone. Like George, for example, yeah. a great friend, uh, grammar hippie. Uh, if you would write his stuff in my tone, it wouldn't work as well because he's very energetic. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, if right. I'm more on the high ticket and high ticket, you don't want to sound as pressured. Like you don't want to sound that you were going to pressure people because that way, like the, my ideal clients will know, like, I don't want to work with you because I don't want to pressure my audience. I want to respect my audience. Right. So my tone needs to represent what they expect from the right closer that works with them, you know? So everything plays uh, on, on the mindset of those you engage with. Like even now, right now, like we're playing stories about ourselves, like we're chatting and it's, it's human nature. We, we do that. We do that when right. we meet someone that we, will she be my wife? Like, you know, <laughs> and whenever you're having a call, you're thinking about where's, where are the red flags? Because we're constantly mm -hmm. on the lookout for those symbols that we associate with something. And sometimes that symbol right. is, oh, he drinks Coke. Or, oh, he drinks wine. Oh, he picks his nose. You know, there's symbols everywhere <laughs> that we associate with something. Uh, and, and those right. associations, it's what we, uh, we have a big storage inside our brain with all those associations. It's, it's like when you feel a smell, like the smell of... Uh, like uh, grass in the morning uh, with water on top of it, you know, like for me, that smell, like I, I'm feeling it already. Um, right. And like the, the smell of coffee, like once you relate to those feelings, you, especially in copy, it's very easy to trigger those feelings in those who are reading. And it's it, positioning is about that. It's triggering the right feelings that will get people to tell the story that you want them to tell about you. Sorry, long rumble. So many places we could. No, not at all. So, did, is there a distinction in your mind between brand positioning and market positioning? That's a good one. Uh, see how how I was mentioning about your questions. <laughs> so, brand <laughs> positioning and market positioning, right? Um, like it's sometimes they they connect, but for example, like I have basically two brands. I have my agency and I am a brand myself. 
but the way I position both is not exactly the same. Because at the end of the day, people connect with people. Like even if you're buying something mm -hmm. from Coke, Coke has people behind it. Like if you buy some tennis shoes, if you have a bad experience with a clerk, probably you're not going to buy some Nike shoes. Uh, so it's always people with people. So I don't typically pay much attention to the brand. I pay attention to the personal behind the brand. Because if, if I get you to connect well with the person, if that's the relationship is in place, the brand will benefit from there, from that. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I understand that they're both important and typically brand is more associated with all the design and that kind of stuff. Obviously there's the feelings as well, but for me, mm -hmm. I'm always about the relationship with the, with the guru, like my clients uh, or my partners, that relationship with the guru for me, it's really important. Because that's where, like, everything will benefit from that relationship or not, uh, right. including the brand, right. the brand positioning. So why does it seem like it's so hard? Most times because I don't think people pay attention to this. Like, they're so worried to, to, to be accepted that they don't understand that sometimes being accepted by the wrong people can damage you. And... Mm -hmm. um, I feel that most of us, we have like, we don't have the confidence. We've never really stopped to understand who we want to attract. So we never really did the exercise of what I told you before about the positioning. Like if I want to refurbish me as a brand to go outside, who should I be? Like what, what should I have in me? Like people don't typically mm -hmm. ask this question type of questions they just go out into the tactic mode try to capture outreach sending emails but they never right. really think about uh it's like uh, the other day i was uh chatting with someone and like someone sent me a an outreach message and they told me peter what do you think and i'm like i was like how can you promise people whatever like you don't know that person so if i see an outreach message promising me 200 likes or whatever, anything, like 200 sales. Right. I'm like, you don't know me. How can you promise me anything? Like, at the end of the day, let's go to the extreme. Someone, Pedro, I promise you, you'll be happy. And I'm like, who told you that I want to be happy? <laughs> right? How can you promise something right. that you don't know if that's relevant to me? Um, yeah. And, and, I see a lot of people and, and that's a sign of almost selfish, like they're thinking about them. And when I see that kind of stuff, I understand, okay, you want a client, you don't want to help me. Um, and mm. people feel this, like they feel who's, who's the priority. And it's tough for people to really understand that what, it, it's the same problem with niching down. Like whenever you niche down, you'll know or you know that you're going to get a lot of people to disconnect with you. And for most people, mm -hmm. that's challenging because they're not aware right. or they're not sure if leave, like leaving that people away, if it will damage or kill their business in the first place, you know? And, and sometimes it's, it's really important for you to, to really understand and to dial in who you're talking to who you want to talk to who you want to help who you can help because if you if you're not sure about that you'll end up 
shooting tangents everywhere. Like, you know, like it, it's, right. it's almost as if your ideal target is here and you're sh shooting tangents. It's, they almost feel like it, but it's not really exactly what they want. And, and you're excited because, oh, they, they got back to me. They want to have a call with me. But man, that, that's a tangent. You're, it's not going to be great for you. And it's not right. going to be great for them as well. So it's, it, we had this conversation, I think last week or, or so, where we were kind of noting how so much in life is in reality upside down. Like if you want sales, you give. If you want to lead, you serve and, and, and that type of thing. And it's, it's interesting how you're talking about starting with the end in mind. And is that hard for people because either they don't know where they're going or they don't know, know what they want or something else? It's, it's a mix of everything, but mostly it's the fear of the unknown. And it, it's the fear of committing themselves with a path that they're not sure. And I, I was in that place mm -hmm. a lot of times, like when I was a younger kids, uh, I was afraid to funnel down on, on a, a single path because I wasn't sure if that was the right path. Uh, and, and that fear, what, what gets us on a very dangerous road, which is a road with endless roads, and we don't know what, which one to pick. And we try to go on every single right. one of them. And the one where we are, it, it, it leads to nowhere basically. And we're running in circles. So, right. Okay. So I, I, then there's two, two branches from where you're at there. Okay. So how do you pick the right one? And then what do you do if you realize you're headed in a direction that like you made a mistake, like <laughs> I shouldn't be here. Like, let, let me tell you, let, let me show you with like, let me answer that with an example because it's probably easier to, okay. to understand. Like, um, over the last many years, like I've grown a lot over the last few years, but, uh, I remember I did every single course you could imagine. Like, um, I, I done like every copywriting course I've worked side by side with some of the greatest copywriters in the market. Uh, I was lucky enough to, to know many of them. And I remember one day, do you know, Sam Evans? Okay, no, he's from New Zealand. He has a consulting course. I I did his course. I was really excited about that course. It sounded really great. And that okay. course was about closing high ticket stuff, like exactly where I am. But his course was all about high ticket sales on the phone. And I okay. went to that course. So that was the path that I chose. Like I knew how to write. I knew how to be persuasive with my writing, but I wanted to learn like the other step. Like I wanted to really learn how to close uh, someone high ticket on the phone. But on the other side, personal Pedro, I hate phones. Uh, <laughs> like even my wife, if she calls me, I'm all the time. Okay. 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 Bye. Bye. Like, I don't <laughs> have phone wife. conversations with no one. Like phone for me, it's to check the time. That's it. And sometimes the right. news. That's what the phone is all about. So that's not congruent with who I am. Like that course, if I, if I paid attention, I knew that that course would never work for me. Because mm -hmm. like if in my nature, I hate phones, 
why would I take a course about phone, phone, phone sales? It's like, I would like right. my purpose, like myself would always find an excuse not to do that. Um, uh, because it is who I am and like long story short, obviously I failed. Obviously I gave up because once I had to go on the phone with, well, someone, maybe at the phone thing, I don't know about all the way around. Sorry. I said, maybe only on the phone. No. Yeah. Yeah. But over, like over here, I'm chatting with a friend. Right. Like okay. this is not a sales call. Like, and if I have, I need to have a sales call with some of my partner, I'm not going to have a sales call. I'm going to have a conversation. Uh, it's, it's almost like a doctor call. I want to really understand their business to see if I can help them and to see if I'm the right partner. But with Sam's program, I was supposed to follow a script and I was like, oh no, I feel disgusted following this. Like I, I'm, I'm not being honest with these people. I'm, I'm not selling. I'm, I'm selling. I'm not helping them. And that's for me, for me, it's a big okay. distinction. Like I want to make sure that right. people get what really benefit them. That's why I'm like, we can close. Like I, I've, I've closed offers in like 50 K offers in matter of hours, uh, just chatting with people. But once you really understand and you, and, and you listen, your your gut feeling and who you are. Like I knew that phone wouldn't work. And at the end of the day, let's mm. like, I'm not English, I'm Portuguese. So English is not my first language. So I knew that like clients wouldn't respect me as much if I had to do phone calls on their behalf, because like my English is not as perfect as theirs. So that was a problem for me. So once you understand the circumstances, for me, it's always about telling the story that propels you to take action. So once mm -hmm. I figured out, okay, phone calls, it's a no-show for me. Like I don't like, I feel very, uh, it's almost bad. Like I, I don't like it at all. Like I, if I don't like being on the phone with my mom or my wife, why would I be on the phone with a complete stranger? So <laughs> anybody exactly. else. So don't count me on it. So right. I said no. And then I was like, okay. Um, I'm, I'm not English. So if I ask like one of the big names to make sales for him, for them, would they allow me to represent their brands? Probably, uh, probably not. So how can I change the story? How can I change the circumstances to play in my advantage? And that's pretty much what I, what I did. I find, found out exactly what was the path where my circumstances and who I am could thrive, basically. That, that was it. And right. that's when I found out about phoneless sales. Uh, I found someone who taught me uh, how to do that. I'm very grateful to, to him. And then, like, I joined forces with my business partner. Uh, we've grew a lot together. We came up with our own strategies. And today, like we, we have amazing results for our partners and they don't even care if I'm not English, they don't care because we get the results and. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I, so I, I think you have a wonderful speaking voice and your command of the English language is superior to some native speakers that I know. So, um, for, for what it's worth <laughs> on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm curious to, in terms of differentiation and positioning, is 
does does differentiation inform positioning or is it the other way around? Positioning helps you differentiate because positioning is the okay. first thing that people will see from you. Like it, it's almost like you're seeing the house. Let's use the previous example. People see the house before they arrive at the mm -hmm. house, right? Um, so they right. see something about you even before they explore what you're all about, right? That's pretty much... But wouldn't it be more important to be the only yellow house on the block if everyone else is white? It depends. Like, do they like yellow? Because mm. at the end of the day, I don't know if they like yellow. Probably if they're all white, it means that they actually like white. And probably it's not the white that you need to change. It's the color of the door, you know, or add, or add the fireplace. Like, we're not in the business to, to reinvent the wheel. Uh, like, if right. you look at the, all the great ideas, like Facebook, that was high five and stuff like that before. They just did it better. Google, you had Yahoo, AOL, like everything was here already. It was just people like doing their own versions slightly better and people got attracted to that new stuff. Uh, like there's not really something right. new in here and we're not, I remember like I've helped a lot of startups. I was invited to be the mentor of in a startup accelerator program. And I remember at that time I was all about, well, not at that time, at that time I was growing up, but before that, I was all about ideas, ideas. I need to have ideas. I remember I, was, I used to have uh, some paper and pen next to my bed, and I wrote stuff during the night, like, and in the morning, <laughs> what the hell did I write? But I was like that, focused too much on the ideas. And today, I don't care about the idea. I care about listening to people mm -hmm. because people give, them, give you the idea. Like I was... Uh, I'm thinking if I can share this or not. But one of the partners that uh, I work with, uh, he's an amazing person. He has a, a great program. And the, like the content of the program, not the content, but the main message of the content was actually someone that wrote a testimonial saying, like, with TED, something happened. And that something was exactly what we picked up and used it. Like, you could have, like, all the white houses, but that little snippet, it's the difference. It's what makes him play a completely different game. It, it's like, imagine that, and let's use him as, as, a, as a case study. Uh, imagine that you have 10 programs all selling weight loss, right? So those are the white houses. Weight loss, weight loss, weight loss, okay. weight loss. Um, but I'm not going to sell weight loss. Because like, it's not that it's saturated, but weight loss, it's low value positioning. Like I'm not going to charge as much as I want because... It's commoditized. Exactly. Yeah. And, and people, like if you, if you ask me, like, how much would you pay for a weight loss program? Okay, that's something. Or how much would you pay for a program that will coach you how to never have to go through a weight loss program? That's a completely different <laughs> right. way to think about it. And it's exactly the same thing. The offering is exactly the same thing. Right. You're just presenting in, in a different way. That's why I'm saying like you don't need to change everything, but the way you position the conversation sets up the tone for everything else. And the first one I could sell mm. for 1 or 2K or 4K or whatever. The other one I could sell for two or three times that value because – 
I can play around with, yeah, like how much have you paid already to make the changes that you haven't been able to sustain? Right. Like I can use that conversation to, no, no, my goal is to set you up for life. Like everything, like I'll give you the tools to never fall off the wagon again. You know? So right. what I'm saying is that that positioning matters a lot. That conversation, the way you set up the conversation, how you show up to people. Because once again, people are telling the stories inside their mind. So if I'll present them a weight loss immediately on their mind, they'll research in, into their hard drive. Okay, uh, weight loss, what have I seen about this? And they'll start comparing me. So whenever right. you do something, you have to try to get people to search their their hard drive and, oh, blank. Okay, this is new information for me. Let's consume it as it is. Uh, that's when the biggest opportunity is for you. Um, you know, does this make sense? So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I I'm curious, if you're working with someone who's not starting from scratch, right? So maybe they have a service or a product that they're working with but they want to fine tune their, their positioning. What sort of questions would you ask them in order to get them thinking in the right direction? Like most times, like if, if I'm going to work the, the offer with them, it's me that it's going to, to change the positioning for them. Like we do the everything. Okay. Like they present us the offer and they say, Pedro, I would really like to push for this one because my team is somewhere else. Like I'm, launching a new offer, whatever, and this is basically in my trash can, but it's a great offer, so please help me out, get some more sales from this. <laughs> and sometimes right. we do a facelifting on, on offers or we combine offers and get them much more appealing. Um, but most times, like I, I always, the first questions I ask, it's always to the guru. So it's not so much about reading the testimonials. I really want to understand why they created the program or the product or the mastermind, whatever. I really want to understand what led them to create that. Because typically in there, it's the story that you want to show, show up. Because people, like I had one partner and we, has, we were selling roughly 40K program and it was all about uh, productivity and stuff like that. And I was telling him like, we're not going to sell 40K, like productivity at 40K, especially if you're dealing with high achievers, which are the ones who can't afford this sort of money, they'll most likely are pro productive enough. That's why they, they got here. So we need to find they got something that, else. Yeah. And we asked them a bunch of questions to really understand uh, What's what was happening and why he wanted to create that and why he felt that was an opportunity. And we really understood that all people wanted was to be close to him. Everything was about being close to him. And we had, a, uh, there was two stories that really got us to understand how powerful that was. One guy paid 300K to attend, to, he bought... <laughs> He bought 300K and he got access to this guru that we work with for a full year. I think it was one year or two years. I don't remember. 300K to attend all his live events. He went on the first okay. event. After 10 minutes, he left. Never showed up again. They called him 
like two months later asking, hey man, uh, what happened? Like, did we do something wrong? And the guy replied, no, no, I got the answer to the question I wanted. <laughs> like, we got another person who went to one of his events and uh, on the testimonial, basically, they asked him, like, why did you join? And he said, he, he paid roughly 40K, okay? This one paid 40K, the second one. Okay. And he said, all I wanted was to ask a question to the guru. And this program gave me the opportunity to be with him. So he asked the question, mm -hmm. and that was it, 40K. Like, whenever you know the yeah. audience that you're working with, it's about giving them the access like what they value and they value the access right. and to be close to that person. So the important thing for you is to figure out, and I wrote about that yesterday, I think about the ROI, what, what do they value right. the most? And that's exactly what you need to push forward. Like if, if they value the most, the content, push the content forward. If they value the most being with the guru, push the guru forward. And depending on what they value the most, that can help you, um, monetize differently that program because if it's the guru raise the okay. prices because the guru is a he has a powerful brand already so you can raise the prices because it's exclusive right. like you need to give them the feeling of exclusivity yeah. to be close to him like if if you have 500 people in there that's not exclusive i'm not like they don't no. want to be there so everything plays right. with the overall result so all right. That, that's incredible. And if we were to, to notch that down a level to someone who's just starting out, what should they be thinking about? What, what do you mean? So, so the, the, the context in which you were just talking was basically, you know, you have someone who has an established brand or they have an established uh, service or, or, you know, some sort of offer yep. that exists and, and you're like fine tuning it for them, right? So for, for someone who's up and coming to that, that, that level, how would you, like, if they don't, if they don't have the, the audience to talk about and find out what's important to them, how would they determine that return on investment at that level? Like if they don't have an audience, that's already a problem. Uh, because you should start from the audience. Like I can have many ideas right now and we could have like a brainstorming here, about let's have ideas about building a product. And odds are that, like, obviously we have a lot of experience, but odds are that we would always have to tweak once we start chatting with our audience, you know? So always start right. with an audience because at the end of the day, you need to find your own voice. Uh, like, and let's look at the examples like George again, he, he tweeted for a year before he starts promoting his own offers. Uh, it, it's all about really understanding who's on the other side. It's, it's about tweaking your positioning. Like the other day I was talking with um, someone on Twitter uh, and she was really afraid because uh, she found out that she had to tweak her positioning because she didn't want to be a copywriter anymore. She wanted to move into writing and she was afraid. And I was telling okay. her like, you have 300 followers. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> no one really pays right. attention to that all they want is to it's you at this time what you need to do is show up who you are and and being encouraged to to perform that change in your positioning share it 
because that tells a lot of, mm. to people that you were you had the courage to change you had the courage to to move into a different place but at the same time if you found out that it means that you tried something and people want to know yeah. what happened and that's a great story to connect with people like one of our partners he had a full book about a topic and one year ago like over a one year ago he 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 put a, a, a video on YouTube saying, I know that I wrote a book, but I don't agree with the content of that book anymore. Oh, that was brave. <laughs> exactly. Very, very brave. Uh, especially because the book is still on sale. But <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like being brave to make that change to accept that we don't have like i'm ready to change as well like i love what i do but if i have to change tomorrow i'll change tomorrow like I, i'm not glued to mm -hmm. this although i love what i do and i love helping people i love working with my partners and seeing those sales skyrocketing or seeing people sending them testimonials saying this was amazing so really mm -hmm. because at the end of the day it's all about driving impact. I, I had one client, one partner that we, we worked with. And at, at that time, when I was reaching out to him, I was all about, yeah, let's make more sales. And he was like, I don't want to make more sales. I want to make more impact. Because I know that if I'll drive more impact, sales will come next. Okay. And, and that made me shift and really understand what the big ones they care about. Obviously, they want the money. But they're very, very, very demanding with their own, like with the perception people have about their brand, you know, because they're all competing, like Tony Robbins, all those guys, Gary Vaynerchuk, like all of those, like they know that they're competing with each other. They're friends sometimes, mm -hmm. but they're competing. Like they want, they want <laughs> attention for, on them. So right. whenever yeah. they have people happy, they know that they'll get a lot more attention. And when we're first starting, like I have 3,000 followers, right? Like my brand sucks. But at the same time, I know that if I had yeah. something to sell right now, I would sell. Because people know exactly what to expect from me. They know exactly who I am. Like I'm, I'm not sugarcoating who I am. Like there is imperfections, but there's something that I'm really great at. And that's exactly what I love like chatting about and my team like me and my co-founder and i we're really great at what we do um and this is the tone that we bring to stuff this is the energy that we uh bring to our conversations it's about listening it's about caring because we know that that impact is worth everything like if if they move forward like mm. let me give you an example like with one of our partners you know in one day i refused 70 73 thousand dollars and he was like, why did you refuse that? And I was like, he wasn't the right buyer. It was a, an ex-NHL hmm. player. And um, he wanted very much to get into uh, one of my partner's programs. And he sent me an email, like I went in, and I'm, I wanted to know why he wanted in. And his why was kind of shaky. And then he asked for payment plans and stuff like that and i said okay let's chat i want to help like i want to really understand what's happening and at some point in time he said man pedro you're completely right 
like it doesn't make sense to go to get to this right now because this is not the best time of my life right now. He was facing some problems. And so he didn't mm -hmm. buy that big program. But he sent me an email a few months later saying, okay, I bought something else and I'm forever grateful. So it, it's not about mm -hmm. persuading people to buy now. It's about guiding them to buy what's the best for them right now. And because I know that with that guy, probably I lost a bunch of money, but I'll make that money back. If not with him, with everyone that he'll share his experience with. And that's how you build a long, sustainable brand. Well, and, and that's why, you know, you, you said that your brand sucks and I, I, I'm going to have to take issue with that <laughs> because, you know... <laughs> It's a crying shame that more people aren't following you on Twitter. And I know that's going to change soon. Um, but I think that speaks to the integrity of your brand in that every time you tweet something, like literally, I know I'm going to learn something. And so what you haven't done is try to, to do growth based off of platitudes or following trends or do anything like that. It's like, you know, I, I think it, heightens the fact that your brand is so solid in that whomever is there with you like knows what they're going to get and like you said if you were to sell a course or something tomorrow you know you'd sell out in like two minutes so yeah i appreciate those words and and it's related with that idea of the house that you were mentioning like if i'll do the same if i'll use the same strategies to grow as everyone else i'm polluting my own brand i'm polluting my own space it's almost like I have my own house and suddenly I'm painting it exactly as someone else's. Um, like I, I don't need that. And, and I, I'm not there for the growth because at the end of the day, as we were chatting before, like, or not with you, I was chatting on another call. Like I have 500 pages of content that I wrote just on Twitter. And I can easily, because every single tweet that I write, it's on a Google Doc. And I can easily go on that Google Doc and create programs out of it. I can create whatever I want out of it because it's like almost one year of content in there. Mm -hmm. And because I know that I'm always building for the future. Uh, whatever you do today, and that's something that I see people not doing right, is that they write for the sake of the engagement. I write for the sake of building... Uh, knowledge a knowledge base for myself and something that i can share because i have 500 pages of content everything well structured <laughs> and i know that i can do a lot of things overnight because i have it there right and i have been doing this so I, i'm writing obviously to to drive value but at the same time i'm also driving writing for myself because i want to like when you write when you share when you teach you're untangling a lot of stuff inside your brain. Like I'm talking to you and a lot of stuff, like you're asking great questions. And I'm like, oh, this makes sense. So, and suddenly I'm going like hard drive. You're going to your hard drive and you pick up the signs <laughs> and everything that was in your experience that helps you understand and de decodes what the question was all about. And everything is about that. It's about sending the signs that lead people in the direction that you want. And you've given so much incredible information. And so I want to make sure that we leave people with some real actionable tactics that, that they can take and, and put into practice. So 
What are like three things that you would give people to think about when they're trying to put all this into, into practice? Okay. So, um, the first one I would say, it's something that I get asked a lot of times, especially from newbies. <clears throat> it's, and because I feel that they're trying to copy whatever it's around them. And at the beginning, write for yourself, like write to hear your voice, to hear your tone, to learn more about you. Um, because you want to pick up that consistency. And at the beginning, it's really like not seeing the engagement. It's depressing sometimes. So at the beginning, mm. my advice is write for yourself. Like forget about everyone else. All you want to understand is gain clarity about who you are, about yourself. Okay, that's For me, that's really important. That's why I wrote on Twitter at the beginning, like I'm zero engagement. I still don't get much engagement. I'm, I'm a lot better these days, but what pushes me, it's I want to write for myself and drive value to those that I, I care, but I don't know if they're there yet, but they'll, they'll show up. And I'm, I'm proof that right. they show up because like I'm here yeah. <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> and the second one, it's related to this one. It's once you find out who you are, like what's your niche, like what you write, what you like writing about, be congruent about that. It's, it's like you're building your place, you're building your house, your brand. And if you're not congruent with the style, the tone, uh, the content, people won't really understand who you are. And they might think, oh, there's a ghostwriter writing for him. Oh, probably his kid stole his computer and wrote that tweet for him. So... <laughs> it's really important that people understand who you are and what you stand up for. Um, because right. that's where relationships are born. Like, like if, and probably I'm going too deep on this, but people don't check the news to, to learn what's happening. People check the news to find the approval of the things they believe. Oh, I knew about Putin all the mm. time. Like people want the approval of their, their own beliefs. So, Whatever you write, be congruent with your values, with what you believe, because more people will find that uh, attachment with who you are and they'll get close to you. Obviously, other people won't find it and move other way around. Right. You don't care. Like, don't try to please everyone. Please the ones that actually care about who you are, your tone, your message. That's the most important thing. And I feel that, especially when we're first starting, we're so afraid of leaving people behind that we don't pay attention that the only way to get the important people to stand right next to us, it's by being congruent and tell exactly what uh, we believe in. And that's pretty much what they believe in as well. Okay. And the last thing, which is related with this one, it's build relationships, not leads. Like I see many brands, especially the big ones, they have like one of our partners, he has an email list of 1 million um, emails. 1 million emails. Wow. And we make a ton of money out of that email list. But at the same time, <laughs> probably in terms of relationship, he doesn't have a relationship with probably not even 20% of his list. And that's a problem. Uh, because yeah. if people feel like they're a lead, like you're constantly promoting... Um, you don't really understand who they are. Like you don't have tags to speak 
directly at some niches inside your big audience, uh, people know that. People know when they're being sold to. And whenever you have a relationship, right. it means that people feel that you understand them. And when they feel they understand them, it, it's almost like show you care and they'll care back to listen to you. Like, and if you want them, right. if you want them to listen to your offers, show them you care. And for their, for, the, for that, sorry, relationship is mandatory. That's where all the sales, high ticket sales that we do, it's in the relationship. We trigger that relationship towards what matters to them and opportunities arise everywhere and at any time. Hey, thanks so much for being a part of the show. Let's continue this conversation. Feel free to connect with me on Twitter where I'm at Craig Shoemaker. So go out and have an amazing day. I hope you get a chance to find someone to love, find someone to forgive and find someone to encourage because we are most certainly not in this alone. And I'll see you again here soon on the Leverage 3 Podcast.